good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Manawalk Caves is intended for mature audiences. It contains strong language and depictions of bullying, violence, and sexual assault that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Also, this is an extremely immersive experience, and headphones are recommended. You're listening to The Manawalk Caves, a production of iHeartRadio, Blumhouse Television, and Psychopia Pictures. I just, um... I just woke up to the sound of my own screams. The lights are still on. I must have fallen asleep with them on. I remember laying down to go to sleep and then a... A figure appeared in the corner of my room. Bearded and wearing oil-soaked coveralls. Blackened and rotten, and a tattered red scarf around his neck. The scarf, it was familiar, but I couldn't place it. This figure, part man, part shadow, this gray man just stood there watching me. His body was stooped. His face was too long, jaw stretched in pain, like he was stranded in permanent anguish. I was paralyzed in my bed while the gray man came closer and closer, not walking, just uh, somehow closer. August 2nd, 3.33 a.m. I just listened to my last entry, my last recording, about an, um, a nightmare. I, um... 
I, I have no memory of it. Not of the nightmare. Or, or, or the, the gray man. I don't remember recording the entry. None of it. I tried to stay away, but it found me. It's been pulling me back ever since. And I know in my core that it's not gonna stop until I see James Venture set free. A ghost in the trouble remembering that time in our lives but I remember that day we found him but if you want to find out who was behind this you should find out what Smith knew follow his tracks August 2nd, 2021. The fog. I hoped it would clear, but it's only gotten thicker. The longer I stay here, every minute I remain in Manawak County, and every minute James Fincher's execution draws nearer, the thicker the fog gets. I need it to go away. For good this time, I need to set things right. But the only way to do that is to find out who or what really killed the Hadley brothers. Now, I'm not a homicide detective or even an investigative journalist. But I know this town. I know these people. Detective Solomon Smith didn't. But he believed James Fincher was innocent. He came on board the Hadley Brothers' murder investigation, for a time at least, before he disappeared. If I can trace his steps, maybe I can pick up the trail, finish what he started. Detective Smith, he was the only one in the whole ordeal that seemed to want justice. The only one who knew, somehow he knew, that James Fincher didn't kill those kids. So, now there's no one left to fight for James, except you and his sister, Dina. And the attorney. And now you, looks like. I met up with Jill again. Jill Campbell. At the time of the Hadley brothers' murder investigation, she was one of Sheriff Hooper's deputies. Now, she's a mitigation specialist on the Fincher defense. Appeals. Letters, any tool she can use to mitigate and reduce his sentence to anything, anything less than death. What do you think Detective Smith knew? From a homicide detective's point of view, there's no way he would have crossed Fincher off of his suspect list unless he knew he was innocent. And the only way he could have known that is either Fincher had an alibi or he uncovered who the killer really was. He was on to something, though. That's for sure. So, so maybe he had proof, but he was reluctant to come forward. Not Solomon. From what I understand about the man, the idea that he was ever reluctant is unlikely. 
Either way, he vanished before he could say anything, even if he wanted to. And besides, who in the sheriff's department would have listened anyway? They already caught their killer, James Fincher. Okay. Uh, August 3rd, 3.34 a.m. Just had a, um, an interesting thing happen. I couldn't sleep because this motel reeks of mothballs and mold, plus the AC fan won't shut the fuck up. Jill gave me a stack of court documents and recordings that she'd obtained from Finch's trial, so I left my motel a few hours ago. Decided to take a little drive up into the mountains while listening to them. Remember these red wool fibers? There was no other identifiable DNA found at the crime scene other than the DNA from Thomas and Deacon Hadley. I turned on Matheson Road. It's the road I grew up on, above Spalding Gorge. It's a winding mountain road that goes by my old house, what's left of it anyway. Red fibers embedded in Thomas's fingernails. And as I drove, the fog set in. I also noticed some headlights in my rear view. Didn't think much of it. Trying to focus on the recordings from the trial, and the static was taken over again. So I had to crank the volume and I had to lean into the car speaker in order to hear the voices on the tape. It was as if they were trying to crawl out from the vault they'd been locked in for over a decade. And as I drove, the fog got thick fast. So thick I was squinting to see 20 feet ahead just to see the winding road. I had to slow way down, and before long, the headlights were right on my ass. God damn it. I couldn't make out the car, but when I looked back at the road, the gray man. <laughs> Jesus! <sighs> the fog was so thick, I didn't see him until I almost hit him. Oh, Christ. The gray man. Standing there, in the middle of the fucking road when I rounded the bend. God damn it. Turns out the car behind me was a sheriff's deputy. Evening, officer. Thanks for stopping. There was a, there was a, a, a figure, just standing. In the... So the prodigal son returns. Excuse me. Wait. Tapper. Dooley Tapper. Julian. Right. You're a uh, you're a lawman now, huh? That a beer can in the floorboard? What? I say, is that a beer cane in the floorboard? No, that was earlier, Dooley. I just ran off the road. And how much you had to drink tonight? Are you serious? Yeah, 166 to radio. 166, go ahead. What? I got a code 7. Copy, 166. I'm gonna need you to step out of the car. What? I almost just died. Are you, are you like, are you like messing with me or something? Out of the car. Walk to the back of the automobile. Jesus. Well, I gotta make sure you're safe to operate this vehicle. You gotta be kidding me. Now, what you doing back here anyway? 
thought we run you out of town for good. Oh, don't worry, I'm just visiting. Yeah, who? My mother's grave. How the hell is that fucking relevance you making me walk a line, Dooley? Well, hell, I'm just making conversation, is all. Who was you so nervous for? What? I'm not... I... Look, I just ran off the fucking road, for Christ's sakes, man. You ain't been smoking none of that wacky weed, have you? What? No. I know you and Tyler Wilson used to light up back in the day. And you didn't. Well, if I put a sniffing dog in your car, what am I going to find? Illegal drugs, maybe? Nope. You don't got no concealed weapons on you? Anything like that? No. You sure? Oh, you know what? I forgot about the nunchucks. You want to pat me down, Dooley? No, oh, you'd like that, wouldn't you? Don't get smart with me, Solace. Just turn and face me. Put your feet together with your hands down by your side. Yes, sir. All right. Follow the tip of my finger with your eyes without moving your head. Do you understand? Yep. Did I pass? I guess you can hold your liquor better than you used to could. We done? See, I thought you were maybe in town for the big show. To see your old buddy James Fincher get the jab. I know you two were thick as thieves in those days. It's gonna be quite the spectator sport. How long were you following me? What's that? You've been telling me for a while how long you've been following me. <laughs> Look, we were never that social back in the day, but because we do go back a long ways, I'm gonna give you a bit of advice. Between you and me, I wouldn't go digging around stirring up trouble if I was you. It's best if you just let things play out the way they're supposed to. The way they're supposed to? Enjoy your visit. August 3rd, 1.20 p.m. The smell of this damn mountain air. The mind flashes back. Now, there are some good memories, but mostly the town feels haunted. I can feel the aches of old grudges in my limbs. No matter how much I've tried to repress them, all the old feelings live there in my gut like snakes. Rage, sorrow. I'm trying to remain calm, objective, impartial. I'm trying to assume a moral, ambiguity here even as i recall the lowest most unforgivable types of people that still inhabit this town anyway i'm supposed to meet joe campbell for lunch but i'm late i overslept doesn't feel like i've been asleep at all though i finally passed out around seven this morning listening to the police interrogation you tapes you know my goddamn name i just need you to state it griff something about griff washington's interview griff is bugging me wasn't so hard. We appreciate your cooperation. We just need your help. Right now we need all the intel we can get. Fine. But it don't seem like you're asking for my help. That dog of yours, he was pretty messed up, Griff. There's a lot of blood. He's a mean son of a bitch, Sheriff, but he's a good dog. We had to sedate him. That's probably for the best. I have to cage him. And, you know, I don't want him to get into fights and hurt animals or people or anything. When's the last time he got into a fight? Hell, I don't know. He got loose. He got loose. Then he just came back all torn up. Yep. Hell, that dog's face looks <laughs> like ground beef for Look, God's I don't sake. know what to tell you, Kirby. Those kids broke the law, not me. They were trespassing on my goddamn property, all right? 
my property. Now what happened to them is a real tragedy. And I feel for their mom and daddy. That ain't no excuse to go violate my rights. How exactly are your rights being violated? I'm being held against my will. No, no you're not. Did I or anybody else read you your rights? Did we tell you that you were under arrest? Are you saying I'm free to go? Griff, we have two boys found dead on your property. Now all I ever asked for was your help, but you kept a dog that you knew to be vicious. That's on you. There are regulations in this county for keeping dangerous dogs, and from the looks of it, you failed to follow them. That makes you liable. You understand? If it turns out that your dog was involved in the deaths of these boys, well, that is manslaughter. Am I free to go? Yes or no? Sheriff Hooper let Griff go easy. Yes. Too easy. But seemed to me he should have been their prime suspect. When do I get my fucking dog back? Griff Washington was later convicted of several felonies for running a dogfight in operation, animal cruelty, and operating a kennel without a license. Though the court went easy on him there, too. He got slapped with a fine, but that was about it. And here's the problem. Some of the dog's DNA was found near the scene of the Hadley brothers' bodies. There was also a piece of evidence that was never accounted for. Red wool. Fibers found under Thomas Hadley's fingernails indicate no violent struggle. Maybe Griff Washington's dog had a red collar on or something. But if it did, the red collar was never found. So where did the red wool come from? What happened after Sheriff Hooper let Griff go? It seemed clear to me and others that we needed a medical examiner to do an autopsy because a coroner had no medical experience. What? Coroners are elected officials. And in Manawalk, they're not even required to have medical training. Yet he was the only one that could order an autopsy. Pretty politically convenient, ain't it? Anyway, they look like stab wounds to me. What the actual fuck? Yeah, well... I told Cooper he was investigating the wrong goddamn species. We didn't need animal control. We needed a homicide detective. But even then, Hooper didn't want the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation involved, so we didn't invite them. Why not? He was up for re-election. It was a perception thing. TBI involvement would make Hooper look weak, like he wasn't capable of handling local affairs. He needed to be the hero. That's, uh, that's ironic. Takes more than just experience and qualification to be the sheriff. You also have to have the backing of the right people, the powers that be. What do you mean? You can't get elected sheriff to Manawak County without the endorsement of the First Baptist Church. Delivering on a case like this was only surefire way Hooper could guarantee his re-election. And between you and me... Reverend Perkins had already made up his mind on who the killer was. Faith is not the absence of fear. No, our faith thrives in spite of fear. We light God's candle despite the darkness. I know. I, I know. Fear and doubt creep in. Because there's more to it, isn't there? And it's hard to not 
assume the worst. That the devil has been living amongst us all this time. Well, I have news for you. He has. He has been living among us. And he is still here. Sheriff Hooper was in attendance that day, and I can only imagine that as the congregation of the First Baptist Church clung to the Reverend's God in words, Hooper was plotting his next move. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Did you get that? The Lord is my shepherd. David wrote these words because he himself was once a shepherd. And David understood that we are also sheep. And like sheep, we too need a shepherd. Even though Sheriff Hooper had refused to call in the TBI, there was one man he thought could help. A shepherd, if you will. You have to think like a killer to catch a killer. I looked up Detective Solomon Smith. You have to put yourself in their shoes. He was something of a celebrity detective, and he was featured in an interview on a true crime show called Shadow of Death. strive to paint the accused as a monster, something not human. But do monsters exist? Of course monsters exist. Without monsters, there, there are no victims, no prosecutions, no defenses, no justice. There have to be monsters. Because without them, we only have ourselves to blame for our suffering. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. 
Millions of people have made the switch to Nick Sleek Proof Underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine washable, and great looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Smith was a lawman from Atlanta. He landed in the national spotlight back in 1995 when Jennifer Fowler, a 19-year-old college student, was found naked and dead in a public park near the Atlanta Zoo just a few months before the 96 Summer Olympics were set to begin there. The world was watching closely and the pressure was on to keep the face of the New South blemish-free. It certainly couldn't be seen as a gang-infested crime zone plagued by racial disparities, suburban decay, and neglected parks where 19-year-old white girls could be found raped, murdered, and dumped with no explanation, no recourse, and no justice. No fucking way. Chapter 2 This is from the true crime novel Murder in the Park by Douglas Berger. Jennifer Fowler had been in the city for less than a month. She was found face down in the red clay a few blocks from the Zone 3 police precinct. The buzz at the APD was that they needed to be out in front of this. They needed a clear and direct display of strength, efficiency, and intelligence. Enter Detective Solomon Smith. He was specifically good at understanding how a killer thinks and deriving motive from the evidence. And his predictions about a killer's next move were spot on. He knew that in cases like Jennifer Fowler's, the perpetrator would often revisit the scene of the crime, perhaps trying to relive the moment, the passion, the excitement, perhaps taking pleasure in the power trip of standing close enough that he could watch the cops scratch their heads. Solomon also knew that murder is an intimate act. If you think about it, it's probably one of the most intense human experiences that can be shared by two people. And not just in the instant of the actual killing. The relationship that develops between a killer and a victim is complex. Just think of the proximity, the extremity of the circumstances that the victim and the killer navigate together. Think of the negotiations, the expectations and disappointments, the lies, deceptions, manipulations, the power plays and the pleas, not to mention the physicality of murder itself. The energy and effort required, especially in strangulation, which apparently takes tremendous amount of strength and commitment. Smith was right. Jennifer Fowler's killer did come back to the scene of the crime. Detective Smith was already thinking like the killer. He took his time surveying the crowd, the onlookers, especially the men, especially the ones who were alone especially the one across the street sitting in his green Volkswagen for an hour, watching. The post-mortem indicated that Jennifer had died at approximately 4.48 a.m., and because there was indication of a struggle, the body hadn't been moved. Smith awoke at 3 a.m. with an idea. He had a newborn at home, 
and regular sleep was impossible, so before dawn he would drive to Grant Park, and from 4.30 to 5.30 he'd sit parked three blocks from the spot where Jennifer's body was found. He did this for six weeks, every morning, sitting with his thermos of coffee, a Bojangles chicken biscuit, and the Atlantic Constitution, waiting. It was near enough to the zoo you could hear the lions roar as the sky grew lighter. And soon enough, there it was, that green 76 Volkswagen. The driver could have been innocent, a resident of the neighborhood, but then he stepped out of his car and walked hesitantly to the exact spot where Jennifer was found. He just stood there, staring at the ground. Solomon ran the plates. The owner of the car was Richard Rydell. He was a maintenance man at Jennifer's College. It took time to get a warrant to search Rydell's car. He played by the rules and because he built a bulletproof case. The prosecution got an easy conviction. And Rydell got the death penalty. Mr. Rydell, can you tell us why? What made you want to take Jennifer Fowler's life that day? I want to answer all your questions. Go on. I just had to. In other circumstances, Solomon and Jennifer Fowler's grandfather, William Fowler, would have been unlikely friends. You've reached the desk of Detective Solomon Smith. I will return your call at my earliest convenience. If this is an emergency, dial 911. <clears throat> William Fowler here. I wanted to let you know that I sent a package. I enjoyed our talk about meat smoking, and I sent you some applewood chips from our property for you to experiment with. Now, this particular wood is over a century old. It's uh, from a tree that got struck by lightning. Happened right around when Jenny was taken. Big storm came through. Jenny used to call that a devil's prank. Like when two events run in parallel, like like when you wake up with a song in your in your head and, and then you hear it on the radio or you or you think of somebody you hadn't thought of in a long while and then they call. Maybe a coincidence, but I'm, I'm comforted by the idea that the Lord works in mysterious ways. I'm digressing, I guess. Anyway, Detective, please let me know if you hear anything about when the execution date is set for. I tried to call the DA's office down there, but nobody seems to be able to answer. All right, then. Uh, take care, Detective. Perhaps Grandpa Fowler felt indebted to Solomon Smith, who had given him the only semblance of closure he would ever have following the violent murder of his precious granddaughter. Solomon hunted Jennifer Fowler's killer, caught him, and attended Rydell's execution three years later. He would receive a card from Fowler every year after that, not on Jennifer's birthday or even on the anniversary of her death, 
but to commemorate the anniversary of Richard Rydell's execution, as if that was the event that symbolically solidified and consecrated their relationship. And after Rydell's execution, the two men never spoke again in person. So it was quite a shock when Solomon received a letter from the attorney of Fowler's estate explaining that Mr. Fowler had died and left his house and property in Manawak County entirely to him. It was dilapidated, sagging roof, busted pipes, chipped and weathered siding. The Christmas tree farm had been abandoned and the trees had grown to 30 feet tall in perfect rows. In 2007, the house wasn't worth the dirt it was built on. At the time, Manawak County had a population of only 16,000, mostly white, poor, and Christian. Solomon was a black metropolitan cop who had lost his faith in God. Despite this, Solomon quit the Atlanta Police Department, sold his home, and moved to this isolated farmhouse in Manawak County, leaving behind his career, his church, his friends, and his wife. He took with him the only meager possessions he could shove into his GMC Acadia, a few changes of clothes, fishing gear, and a shotgun. But Atlanta, Georgia, or Manawak County, Tennessee, Solomon had his own set of personal demons he couldn't escape. They stuck with him, haunted him. He needed to set things right in order to be freed from them. And he did that by coming on board to solve the Hadley boys case. Manawak County had experienced occasional homicides, like once every couple of years, usually drug-related meth. Most of my calls were land disputes, domestic violence, bar brawls, stupid shit. The Hadley murders were in a category all their own. So how did Solomon Smith get involved? I was actually the one who suggested it. Mm -hmm. I knew Solomon had moved to town, and, well, Hooper was out of his league, and he knew it. So we approached him. Approached him. He didn't have a landline or nothing, so we just drove out there, knocked on his door and asked him. He said no at first. How did you get him to agree? Well, we played him the audio. Retrieved from Deacon Hadley's cell phone. It's hard to make out, but you can clearly hear Deacon talking to someone right before he gets murdered. Talking to someone? Yes, pleading for his life. It was pretty gruesome. Thomas! 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 Just let me go. Just let me. 
I decided to drive out here to the old Fowler estate. The county record showed that Solomon Smith is the last owner of record. It's been empty since 2007. The yard is overgrown with high grass and brush. Some of the windows are busted. Looks like there's still furniture in there. Doors boarded up. No trespassing. Violators will be prosecuted. Danger. This property's condemned. In 2007, Detective Solomon Smith was deputized, and he and Sheriff Kirby Hooper formed an unlikely um, partnership. They were like complementary opposites. One was an insider and one was an outsider. One was out of his league and the other one was out of his element. And Manawa County needed Solomon every bit as much as Solomon needed Manawa County. But it was no coincidence that he ended up here. Devil's pranks. Something William Fowler's granddaughter Jennifer talked about before her life was taken. I guess the devil's prank is like a passive acknowledgement from the universe that everything is connected, that it's all meant to be. Or maybe it's just God's way of calling our attention to the little things. Like, that's cute. But I don't think so. I don't think Solomon was simply in the right place at the right time. No. I think maybe he was summoned. And on some level, deep down in his psyche, he knew. Had to know. Inheriting Fowler's land. Moving to Manawa County. That's too neat to be a coincidence. Well, look who it is. Duly tappered again. Maybe you didn't see the sign. No trespassing. My bad, Dooley. Yup. I just saw the signs there on the porch. Don't worry, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Say, Dooley, I'm curious. What do you think this property is worth? I don't believe it's for sale. That's a shame. Could be a great fixer-upper. Oh, and I'm heading back to my motel now. In case you wanted to know. Thought I'd save you the trouble of following me there. Goddamn smartass. Solomon Smith. I'd never seen people around here treat a black man with so much respect. He was kind of a celebrity cop. And he caught the man who killed Jennifer. Jennifer Fowler. You knew her? We were in grade school together. I knew Richard, too. Richard Rydell? What do you mean? Well, he was a janitor. Worked at Carter. Rydell? Worked at Carter High? Yeah. You didn't know that? Richard Rydell was from Manawak County. 
he was from here. Tucker as Julian Salas, Eddie Gathegi as James Fincher, Clark Peters as Detective Solomon Smith, Nick Searcy as Sheriff Kirby Hooper, Justin Wellborn as Tyler Wilson, Jill Jane Clements as Jill Campbell, Brad Carter as Dooley Tappert, Scott Poitras as Reverend Perkins, Samantha Ashley as Dina Fincher, Justin Matthews Smith as Paul Salas, Tara Oaks as Laura Salas, Jonathan Horn as Deacon Hadley, Alden Karanovich as Thomas Hadley, Mike W. Anderson as Griff Washington, Bodie Walteroth as Jimmy Fincher, Brian McClure as Ian Speaks, Larry Clark as Bobby Hadley, Peyton Fallis as Ed LeBlanc, Vic Polizis as William Fowler, Nick Tikoski as Richard Rydell, and Aileen Loy as The Darkness, with additional performances by Clint McGowan, Dina Dill, Edward Howard, Henry Foster Brown, Jamie Joseph, Juan Monsalves, Christopher Curry, Bailey Heineman, David Mitchell, and Bernard Sitaro Clark. Created by Connell Byrne and Dan Bush. Written by Dan Bush, Zoe Cooper, and Nicholas Tikoski. Featuring our theme song, Killer Inside. Written, produced, and performed by Lyra Lynn. Our executive producers are Matt Frederick, Alexander Williams, Michael Monty, and Courtney Dufries. Our executive producers at Blumhouse Television are Jeremy Gold, Chris Dickey, and Noah Feinberg. Produced by Dan Bush. Music by Ben Lovett. Additional music by Alexander Rodriguez. This episode features the song Darlin' Corey, performed by Helena Rose. Edited by Dan Bush, Chris Childs, Stephen Perez, and David Chen. Sound design by Benjamin Malcolm. Additional sound design by Alexander Rodriguez. Dialogue editing and sound mixing by Juan Campos. Recorded at Studio Awesome in Los Angeles. Soundbite Studio in Atlanta, and Echo Mountain in Asheville. Casting by Sunday Bowling Kennedy and Meg Mormon. Our dialect coach is Linda Bassesti. Assistant Director, Michael Monti. Second Assistant Director, Script Supervisor, and Production Coordinator, Sarah Klein. Supervising Producer, Josh Thing. Special thanks to Mary Ellen and Jason Davis, Jonathan Dieter, and Joe Rickman. Manawak Caves is a production of iHeartRadio. Blumhouse Television, and Psychopia Pictures.
good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.